mic. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to go again? No, we good. Okay. Hey, John. We're already in it, so whatever. We are. We're struggling. <clears throat> Happy Leap Day. I know, right? Is it bad I don't care about Leap Day? You know, Facebook tried really hard to get all of us to care. I don't know if you saw that. I, I didn't, thankfully. But can I just talk about... Do you remember that creepy doll that I had in college? Oh, I do. Gretchen? <laughs> Gretchen, yep. So I had mm. created a Facebook for Gretchen back in the day. Oh my god, And we did. put her birthday as February 29th. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got onto Facebook You're today, it me. said it was Gretchen's birthday. And I was like... Wow, that exists still. So I actually oh my I actually deactivated the Facebook today. So rest in peace to Gretchen. She lives in my oh, basement. Guys, guys, Gretchen is the <clears throat> creepiest doll from the college years. Yeah. You know what? And I saw that notification and I was like, who do I know named Gretchen? Right. And here it is. I forgot I was friends with Gretchen. She's Most people really were. offended that we didn't wish her happy birthday. Well, I think I technically killed her with this Facebook, so. Uh, Awkward. That's probably true. Awkward. Word. Cue the horror film music. She's coming for you, John. That's so true. I just wake up. She's like, <laughs> "Hello." <laughs> um. So this is a special episode. That's a word for it. <laughs> That's setting a tone right there. Um, <laughs> um. It's Oscar episode, and I mean, we've been leading up to the Oscars, and it was last night. We usually record on saturdays that's been our thing and so Mm -hmm. we had to wait um and now it's monday and we post you know podcast on tuesday so we are we're cranking it out today um yes but we we thought it was important to you know really get the oscar feedback out and not wait a whole another week just to talk about it because by then it won't be relevant yeah (laughs) nobody would listen it's barely relevant today (laughs) <laughs> I was about to say, well, our viewership is already in the possible double digits. Maybe, Maybe yeah, we would have had zero lucky. on that episode. That's true. Um, so I don't even know really where to start with this. With oh the my Oscars. god, you're telling me. Here's the thing. Where, where do you go? I think we have to start with the tone that was set with the show, and the tone was definitely the hashtag Oscar So White. And if you guys don't know what's been going on, is since the nominees for the Oscars were announced, people kept saying, well, there were no black nominees. And so it was whitewashed. It was whitewashed, which it, it usually is. Um, but I think that definitely became a whole situation this year. A lot of people were speaking out against not going. And so, I mean, you knew that that conversation was coming. Um, right. And I I don't know. It's hard to really give an opinion on this because, A, we're both two white males, which is the most privilege you can get in America. Um, I mean, not. it's the most stereotypical privileged place you can be. Um, and so I feel like it's hard for us to have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I think it is. any opinion that we have, won't come across right because we can't relate to it at all i know i can't relate to being black and i can't relate to the the history of being black i can i understand it and i totally empathize with it but i cannot understand it at all unfortunately Um, 
it's just i honestly it's just the system of the oscars that it is not there will be no black nominated actors like for several reasons for one most voters are like uh elderly white men so that always brings in uh but i think other... that's still the problem then you know what i mean i think that they have a reason i think we all have a reason to be upset if that's still what's going on you know that should I think be... I, it's only it's only part of the problem though because i mean if you look back on the last year i wouldn't have nominated any african american performance but i think well it idris elba beast of no nation he wasn't eligible though why because beast of no nation wasn't eligible for oscars because it was a netflix original it didn't it oh, wasn't released in theaters well, that's awkward right well, and everyone I guess was saying the idris point elba i'm saying is... is i i think that there's probably content out there that really just wasn't being recognized that probably had more black actors in it you know i mean we've talked about the oscars is very political and so they pick certain movies it's very political um, yeah and i think that maybe they just picked they didn't have a wider scope um right and that's always been the case it is. like they're they're looking through a very thin lens and movies that are heavily populated by black actors were most of the movies this year were not the movies that are going to win Oscars. And I really like what Viola Davis said about the whole thing when she was like, "There's this isn't like a problem with an award ceremony. This is like a Hollywood system problem. Yeah. There's just not a lot of like, there's not a lot of black actors in the industry. There's not well, a lot of minorities in the well, industry. Here's the so thing, though. Here's their argument is that there are a lot of black and minority actors. They just either aren't given the roles or there aren't roles for black and minority actors, yes. which I do agree the, the, with. I don't think we create enough roles for those people, but I also think we just don't cast them. I think we've gotten into a, like, uh, a flow of just hiring the exact same high-paying actors for all of these roles. Um, yes. The, the Hollywood films are not populated by minorities no. for the most part. And that's, I mean, that's definitely something that should change. There should be, there should be more interesting, um, you know, diversity on screen. I'll, I'll give them that. But um, I think that it, it is something that should be worked towards. Yeah. But the way that they, like, handled it, the ceremony, is so, 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 so off-putting. Like, yeah, I, I definitely I, have mixed feelings about it. I think it definitely needed to be addressed um but then leave it be yeah i think know? it got to a point where ugh, it just it was too much it's like every time you knew that someone was about to make a joke you were like this is going to be a race joke yep yeah. okay there's another race joke and honestly it's just so off-putting it it did get a little off-putting and i think a few of the segment because they did pretty funny segments um that addressed it but a few of them were really perpetuating stereotypes and that really that really put yep. me off. Um, the one specifically is when Chris Rock was interviewing the people outside of uh, the movie theater. I don't mm -hmm. I don't I don't remember what theater was it the Dolph I don't know what movie theater it was. It's it's a theater inside of Compton. But I mean, if you guys didn't see the segment, he was asking them about whether or not all of these people had seen the Oscar movies, and none of them have. And then he asked if they saw Straight Outta Compton, and they all did. And I just I. Which, I mean, it's true, probably, but I just feel like it perpetuated a stereotype that I thought we were trying to get past, you know? Well, here's 
Yeah, and the problem is, is the more times that you call people out for being racist, the more that you're dividing them. You yeah. know, it's like identify it and work towards unity. If you keep making jokes at the Oscars about this issue, you're just slowly like pulling everybody apart. And it's not like that's not the idea at all. Like that it's segment, true. for example, it's just it's alienating each group from each other. Yeah. And it's it's just I, it's a really bad message. I, and Chris Rock was not good at all. See, but I think I think that's very relative. That's because a lot of people really liked him and they thought Really? Yeah, and they thought that he was um you know, he really took a stand and I I do agree. I think with the opening monologues with the Oscars, I'm glad that he brought it up, but I wish the whole monologue was not focused on that. Like, I think it's okay to make jokes at the beginning and even throughout the monologue, but I wanted to see, like, I don't know, I wanted to see a monologue about the movies and not necessarily about race at, right. at the center. And it was all about and... race. It didn't go into any of the movies. Um, the different segments yeah. did later, but um, I don't know. I think well... it just got, it did get uncomfortable. And I think it is just because we don't quite understand um, I don't know. Well, the the thing is, is that it it was not. It didn't feel like a real Oscars. It felt like a roast of the Oscars. Like that's true. We're just we're going to make fun of the award ceremony the whole time, yeah. and it's like, well, I mean, I don't need you to take yourself super seriously, but you know, like movies movies mean a lot to a lot of people, and it would mm -hmm. be great to focus on the good things at least somewhat of this award show and. Um, you know, when I, I queue in, I want, I want there to be things about like how, how there's like magic in movies and it just right. didn't feel like anybody cared about that discussion. Yeah. And unfortunately it was not really whatsoever. about movies at all. I mean, no, it there wasn't. were awards put in, but it wasn't about celebrating cinema. It wasn't about celebrating no. performances. It was, it, it, honestly, it felt like it was dividing more than it was doing anything. It was, um, it really was. But I do think I, I do think it did do something though. I think openly talking about it as such, a, I mean, a lot of people watch the Oscars, like millions upon millions of people, and I do think it does open doors to conversations. But I mean, I feel like we're just going to keep reiterating the same thing. I think that there's a line, and I think they way overcrossed it. Yeah, and not necessarily on uh, like what they said, but I think just the amount of time they spent devoted to it. Um, and and the other thing is is that by like by doing that it just took all of the attention from films that deserve to be recognized like the the epitome of that is when Sasha Baron Cohen was like <laughs> and here's here's a movie about white people stuck in a room and I was like that's not fair that movie is right. wonderful and you know that was the that was the moment where they they highlighted it you know leading up to the best picture uh, -huh. uh winner and then you just like you just botch the whole intro by saying this movie is not great because it's about white people. Like, yeah, who, who cares? It's about white people. And it's, uh, I was just very aggravated that, you know, it's like, okay, I, you know, I agree. There are not a lot of movies with great uh, minority roles in them, but like, can we just, you know, f for one night, like I want to celebrate what was good. And that's why, for this entire time, since we started the podcast and we've been talking about the Oscars, we haven't brought up the Oscars So White 
scandal, controversy, mm. whatever you want to call it, because you know I'm not going to say there's there's not like there's not a whitewash problem, but we're you know we're talking about it on the podcast because we're we're celebrating the good content of the year, you know. Right. It's like obviously there's it's not a perfect system actually. The Oscars are a very flawed system, but yeah, you know you're still looking at you're looking at the good. You're not like focusing. Yeah, that's true. It was definitely on, more negative heavy. Um, was, I do yeah, think so one thing I think Chris Rock did well is he didn't focus on necessarily just um, white people and their – they didn't. he didn't focus on that. He kind of took jabs at everyone. It wasn't just like jabs at the white people, but he like – he jabbed Jada Pinkett Smith and – That was a good um, – that was really funny. So, I mean, to that, I, I think he did really, really well. Um, it didn't really seem like an attack on, <laughs> on white people at all, but, um, you know, what was funny, at least to me when Tracy Morgan, oh, I was, was going to bring Danish that girl. up. That was, so, I was dying. That was actually hilarious. Uh, that, like, nothing else about that sketch was funny. And, but... and looking back on it, I think they should always have kept that sketch, like do the opening monologue and then put that sketch in it and then just kind of let the Oscars play out how they usually do. Because I think even with just the opening monologue and then that segment, it would have gotten the point across, and in a way that's almost lighthearted, but it still, yes. you know, it still puts that point out there without going too much. Because that was so funny, and it, it I, and it made a point. I thought. So, what What was the point in your mind? Um. Well, I guess I guess that's true. I don't really. I think the point was just to see what it would look like if the Oscars wasn't so whitewashed. <laughs> but I, mm. I just like what they, I did. I like the humor that they put into it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so I, I didn't see, I didn't see a point in it, but I was like, I'm laughing and I don't care that they just like put some color in this. Well, I think that they were like making, they were making the Oscars so white point in a humorous way that didn't really attack anyone, you know? Right. Which I think is what, they should have done the entire time and i think we should move on from this topic yeah that's exactly why i went into something funny because i was like see that was really good i liked that joke a lot yeah um um well do you want to talk about where i don't know what do you want to talk about well there's still like so much i know there's like so much but also not so much um oh yeah totally yeah i mean i think probably the best Honestly, the people who were um, – that people thought were going to win, for the most part, did win. So there weren't really many surprises. I would say the one surprise that I was actually oh, happy about – Don't. I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Was visual okay. effects. Yes. And that was the the best surprise. I know. Life. And, I mean, it wasn't even on my radar because I figured it would just – and for visual effects, yeah. um, it was – pretty much almost handed to either Mad Max or The Revenant and yes. Ex Mahina won it and it was like out of nowhere and both me and Matt I mean if you've listened to the the past four episodes we brought up how much we think that movie was so great and how it wasn't represented at the Oscars and it should have been yeah um yeah and to see it win visual effects over things like Mad Max and even Star Wars I was like uh yeah well I mean it's just it really is amazing. This was the one where we were like, oh my gosh, this movie deserves it in this category. Mm. And just to see that this movie has 
probably less than a tenth of the other movies' budgets. Yeah, it, it might be like a twentieth. You know, fifteen million dollars, and it won the Oscar for these are the best visual effects of the year. Like, yeah, what it, a, it was. An, it, what that was the moment. probably the only one that made my jaw drop. In excitement, yeah. I was because I just I would never have guessed. That was the exciting jaw drop. I had two very unexciting jaw yeah, drops. Yeah, I, I think was yours for uh, supporting actor. That was, yeah, that was one I, of them. I did feel free. I almost texted you, but I feel like I wanted to talk about it on here. Um, it's just... For okay. supporting actor, it was pretty much... I, w- I want to say it was almost a shoe-in that Sylvester Stallone was going to win for Creed. He had won the Golden Globe. Um, I don't, I don't know if he won the other awards leading up to it, but my guess is that he won enough of them that people thought he was kind of a shoe in to win. Oh yeah. And then it went to Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, which honestly, he was my second choice. Um, really? And if, yeah. He's the one performance in this category that I didn't see, but. I just gave Stallone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I was like, he's got it on all of these people because he he was better than Ruffalo. He was better than Hardy. He was better than Bale. And I was like, he's got it in the back. And honestly, he may so have been better than Rylance. I think if you were to watch Bridge of Spies, I think, A, you have a very nostalgic connection to Sil- Sylvester Stallone. So I think you'd think that he did better. But I, I would even say he may have done better. Um, Stallone? Yeah. yeah I do I mean, think he deserved I think he did deserve it. Um, but I I was happy to see Mark Rylance win, so I was not. I know. I and then I mean the other the other kind of like side shot was you know Vikander taking supporting actress, but you know we started seeing it coming. I mean we talked briefly that's, about that's it. That's who I like, wanted to win. After I did, so I was happy for her. this. Yeah, this category I didn't see a lot from. Yeah. like I do want to see. I want to see the Danish girl a little bit because of Vikander. That's the only reason why I want to watch it. Right. And then I want to see the hateful eight and I kind of want to see Carol, but I mean, I just, you know, I know my girl, Kate, I just really wanted her. I know. Um, and it would have been cool to see both her and Leo win the same year because they have such a connection. Yeah. Um, yeah, seriously. But honestly, I think she's gotten her recognition, and so, even that's, though that's even though yeah. Alicia Vikander won for the Danish Girl and not wasn't even nominated for Ex Mahina, um, I'm still happy she won because I think that she has given so many great performances this year, mm-hmm. and she's kind of yep. just come out of the woodwork in such a powerful way that I thought, even though the movie aside for the Danish Girl, I think that she deserved to win just for all of it put together. Um, yeah. Well, you know what's also really cool is that she's she's from Sweden and she's like just won an Oscar. Like she's bringing, she's representing her nation, sort of. You know, it's like there are no Swedish people in Hollywood movies. Yeah. And here walks in this this Alicia girl, and it's like no one's no one saw this coming, and it's like this girl's got a huge career in front of her. She totally and she's does. Just like a new a new face, like something very fresh yeah. that you know we saw this year. And, and she's a really like see... kind spirit. You can just tell by looking you can, at her. She's yeah, just... you can feel it. And it's... she's not like burdened by Hollywood yet. She's new. She's <laughs> yeah, very yeah. green. But I think she seems like she has a good temperament. And I mm-hmm. think that it won't kind of jade her 
like it's done to so many of the people that were in that room. Um, Did you see the trailer that came out last week for Derek Sinefrance's new movie? I think it's like The Light Between Oceans or something like that. Who's in it? Uh, Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender. No are way. The, are, yeah, their parents in it. Oh, um, interesting. No, I didn't see that. And for anyone... Anyone who doesn't know, Derek Sinefrance directed Blue Valentine and one of my favorite movies, Place Beyond the Pines. Oh. And this movie, I think it's called The Light Between Oceans. It's about these like this couple who I believe they can't have a, a baby, and this baby washes up on shore in this rowboat, and they take it in, they start raising it, and a few years later, Rachel Vise shows up, and she's like, my baby went missing at sea yada 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 years ago and they get faced with this like dramatic question of do we give her back her child when we've like for the past seven years we have developed into her parents like we are as much of her parents uh or more so than rachel vises it looks like such a very like concentrated like very high intensity like on the drama side Uh like it looks so good and apparently i found this out while watching the oscars but Candor and Fassbender are a real thing. Yeah. And I think they make a great power couple. They sure do. They look they look so good together. I wouldn't have pinned them together, but I like the idea right. of them together. Same. I would never have thought of that. But anyways, yeah, you should check out the trailer. It looks really, really good. Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> I will do that. Um, I'm... Speaking of people who are green in the oscars jacob tremblay oh, just breaks goodness. your heart every time the camera in a good way in a good <laughs> yeah. way yes like did you did you watch the red carpet when he talked about his darth vader socks and his no. millennium falcon cufflinks uh-uh. oh my gosh he, this kid yeah. thankfully he i don't i don't think he's to the age where he 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 can't he sees things in such a pure way still which he does is very refreshing and i hope that it does uh, I mean, I am worried because I think oh, kids that absolutely. grow up absolutely. in that environment, it just, it usually doesn't work out well, but I, he seems to have a good sense of humor. So who knows? I just want to like send prayers to his parents, you know, like, <laughs> right. please, this, Don't screw this up. boy, he's just so, he's such a great little guy I know. and I just, he deserves a good life and he does not need no trauma from this crazy, crazy industry. No. I, you know what I love is that, you know, Brie Larson, she gets up there when she wins, and she's, like, thanking everyone, and she thanks him like a person, not like a kid. True, yeah. She's like, you've been my partner through this whole thing, and I wouldn't be here without you. You're amazing. This movie's amazing. Yeah, you know, she didn't did belittle him at all. Thing. It was... No. They and were she equals. never does. She... That made me feel really good. Like, she's another one of those people that just has a very, very warm presence to her, Yeah, you know? she does. I, I really loved that. Yeah. Um, the one other thing that made me laugh <laughs> during the Oscars is, I don't, I don't remember when it was, but I think it's when they were showing The Revenant uh, the, for Best Picture, and then they cut to the bear. <laughs> that was, did you see that? You know, I just saw the joke so many times oh my before goodness. this show that oh, I was I like, didn't see okay, any of that. there's the bear joke. But I didn't I didn't even know there was someone there dressed as a bear. So, I mean, 
<laughs> I just it just cut to the bear clapping, and then it cut to Leo, and he had none of it. He was like, <laughs> I'm sure he's gotten that joke way too many times, but Th- that joke's happened so. Many I know, times but it still gets me. Season. It still I'm, gets me. I wish I thought it was funny. I just was like, ah, cue the bear joke. I, if you hadn't seen it before, I guess it's like it's funny. Well, and the fact that they let the bear person in the Oscar ceremony. Well, I think he's. I think they planned it, you know. So it's like, oh, the bear guy's gonna go sit up in the corner, and we're gonna cut to him halfway through the show. Oh gosh, I I thought it was hysterical. You know, it's like the 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 idea of Mad Max winning one Oscar is still crazy to me. Like the idea that that movie could win an Oscar is is like wow. Like that's that's an action movie. That's a really intense action movie, and that sucker walks away with six Oscars, and I'm just like. Yeah, but what? That's crazy. I don't want to be like the skeptical person, but it it won all the technical stuff, which I think it deserves to win for the technical stuff. Right. But um, I don't. It's know. It's such a bandwagon it's, movie. It and it that's is. Like, and that's the way that the Oscars work. Like most voters have only seen um about a third of the movies that are nominated. So. You know, they're all talking to each other, you know, leading up to award season. They're like, this Mad Max movie's crazy, and more people are watching it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, Mad Max is great. And, you know, they haven't seen half of the other stuff in the category. And it's like, okay, well, it wins if you're if you're only watching a third of the material. And since it is such a bandwagon movie, everybody saw it. So yeah, it kind of makes sense for it to just, like, swoop in there and be like, whoop. Six Oscars, and you're but right. For most I mean, of them, most Oscars. yeah, but most of them they deserve to win. Like I wasn't upset I that they won. So I um, agree. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate with it, just because that's a a huge reason for why it won them. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, also, uh, big highlight was the Hateful Eight score win because that dude is so old, and and he was he getting choked up Oscar. when he walked up there, and I was like, well, first of all, it, the show was running late. So I was like, mm-hmm. we have six more awards to go, and it's already 10 o'clock. Well, it was 10 o'clock my time. It was supposed to be done at 10.30. Um, and then they call his name, and of course he's like 90 years old, and they sat uh-huh. him so far away from the stage. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to take seven minutes just for him to walk down there. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. And But then he got up on stage, and he was like almost crying. And I was like, oh, this sweet man, I forgive you for walking so yeah. slow. Um, yeah, and then when he gets up there, you're like, please don't play the music. Let him finish his speech. Right. Like this this poor, not poor, this sweet soul, this sweet old yeah. soul just deserves his little moment in the sun because he's, you know, he's been in the, he's so in the industry a long time. Like he's been doing stuff a while and he's so old. You're right. It's just, it was very cool. Yeah. It was very cool, I thought. Yeah, it was cool. It's not ex machina cool, but it was still like, I mean, it was a little shimmer of the night. Yeah, it was. I liked it a lot. I honestly don't really have any more to say about the show. Um, I I would just like to quickly say the one movie that I didn't think could steal Best Picture came out of nowhere oh, yeah. <laughs> and took it. And I was like, I'm so glad this is the end of the night because I'm so done. Like, Yeah, it was a very anticlimactic. I mean, I definitely did not think Spotlight was going to win. I definitely thought it was between The Revenant or Big Short. Um, yes, and honestly, like, when they called it, I was upset. <laughs> I was I like, was I, I've been watching well, for three and a half hours, and we're going to end with Spotlight winning? 
the most Oscar baity, <laughs> mediocre, flatlined film of this category. Well, like, yeah, and it didn't. It only won. It, was it original or adapted? Original. And I mean, it didn't win any of like the key uh, things that the categories no, that, yeah. that typical best pictures win, um, no, which is fine. I mean, it's whatever. But right, I mean, and that does happen. But it's just like, for spotlight. Nobody was talking about spotlight. Like it's so it's, it's so just... forgettable. Like I think the content's really good. I really and I love the story behind it. Same, but if you're same. gonna if we're gonna base it on like cinematic things which is what the oscar is i don't know if it should have won oh john you are speaking my language i know i am as, shoot <laughs> uh, as like a well-rounded film like it just doesn't have a lot going for it the characters aren't interesting no. there's zero visual intrigue there's zero like sound intrigue it's just it's a great story i'll give them that which is why it you won know? the story category which it deserves to win does it deserve to win the best picture of the year <laughs> hell no no and no this no is totally one of those years where the best picture you're like yeah no one's going to be talking about this movie in t-minus no. two days like but can we talk no about morgan freeman eating those girl scout cookies at the end <laughs> did you see that he <laughs> I did. he announced the uh, best picture winner and then when chris rock came out he had the box of girl scout cookies and morgan freeman just like walked up snagged some and then just <laughs> bolted it off stage <laughs> that that is inspiring it was. that would be me it was every... probably like no i literally saw, saw there was a tweet aired. i think it was probably from buzzfeed or something where they're like morgan freeman is literally all of us <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh that's so perfect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that you brought it up, I just want to say I hated the Girl Scout cookie gag. I, I did too. I mean, I thought it was very out of place. I mean, I think in the right setting that would have been funny, but it seemed so much right. off of Ellen's uh, pizza thing. That's what I was and saying. Yeah. Did they really raise sixty three thousand dollars there? Because that literally upsets me. If we're gonna raise sixty three thousand dollars for Girl Scout cookies when there are so <laughs> many people struggling to just survive. I found that like almost offensive. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, I why mean, can it's we not a room of filthy millionaires? Exactly. Like... So why are we gonna give sixty three thousand dollars to Girl Scout cookies? No offense, Girl Scouts do great things, but that money could go to something I'm... so much useful. And let's... it's a room of hypocrites, John. Like, I... that was the one thing I don't know why no one's talking about. I was like, if they really raise oh, that no, much money, right. and right. that's not going somewhere for good. Lord have mercy mm. on my wallet. I just, yeah, the whole thing was just despicable. I, I felt like I was continually reminded of like, this is a room of filthy millionaires. And of course, if you're going to say like, yeah, no more racism, of course, they're going to be like, yeah, no more racism. And it's like, yeah, and money. Yeah, we got money. <laughs> and yeah, this I'm like, of course, you're going to say that you're. A bunch well, let's of be honest. If I was there, I'd be buying a box, though. But still, oh, of, course. of course, you know, they're like the show's running late. I'm hungry. They're all hungry. We're they haven't eaten all day. No, they haven't because they're in those beautiful clothes. Speaking of beautiful clothes, Sorcerer Ronin looked dynamite. Like that she dress did. was so beautiful, as did Brie Larson. I just wanted to mention that real quick. They looked awesome. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Has to be said. You know, Olivia, what's her face on the other end? Wild. I was like, if you sneeze, that dress is going to fall Well, Andrew's wearing a choker. I was like, oh, oh cool. 
<laughs> I didn't know that's where we were going with this night. <laughs> she like wandered out out of she wandered outside of some like sexual fantasy or something. I know. And that get up. What? Fifty Shades of Wild, right there. Yeah, she's like trying to audition for a role or something on stage for the crazy sexed up character. Good one. Oh, I did. When I was watching with some uh, friends, and when uh, The Weeknd was singing the Earned It song from Fifty Shades, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was like, they had like uh, girls dancing in like lingerie. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. you know, like one of those girls was like, Mom, I'm going to be on the Oscars. And she's going to be like, <laughs> oh, where can I see you? She'd be like, oh, you know, just look for the, just look for the strippers. That's me. I'm stripper number six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, when when they were like dancing around him, I was like sitting with a bunch of people, and I was like, I bet they're all just thinking like, what the hell is his hair? Like, what is this just <laughs> one, poof of nonsense on his head? One of the people I was watching it with said it looked like the Nickelodeon splat symbol that used to be on Nickelodeon. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's beautiful. Uh, uh, he should dye his hair orange. That yeah. would just be the best. Okay, I'm tired of talking about the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, I got that right. I hope next year is, like, a good Oscar year. And for, like, movies. I mean, we had some good movies, but I feel like we need a a year with solid eight good ones, you know? Oh, I agree. Just, like, I want a year where going into the Oscars, you know, before the nominations come out, you're like, there's so much that's going to get gypped because there's so much great content. And, you know, like, I think, like, three years ago. Yes, I was just going to say that. I think it was with the Silver Linings year. I'm looking I it up right now. I think it was that year, too. Like, oh, my goodness. Because we watched it together that year. Um, I can't remember which one that was. Was that the Ellen one? Mm, I think it was. I don't think so. I think Ellen was two years ago. Um, Oscars. You know, I just didn't think it could get worse than last year's show. I was like, oh, that was really rough. And then this year, I was like, oh, God. They got to, like, they need to come back next year. You know, I think, I mean, it was the lowest rated one in like eight years I saw. So I think they're definitely going to mm. look at what they did and what they can maybe do better next year. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. This, okay. I'm, oh, I don't know if I should talk about the Oscars anymore. We can talk about that. Just everyone, just, just Google label it just, and we'll be like, everyone, if you okay. want to see a good year for the Oscars, look at the best pictures from 2013. I'm just going to say. Or 2011. Go look at those Oscars, too. That was a great year. But I think we talked the Oscars to the core, my friend. I want to um, I want to just throw up a really good quote. Oh, you're going to throw about... up? Get a trash can. <laughs> oh, John, you're funny. <laughs> oh, Anyways. Goodness, John, so funny. Wow, so good. Anyways, George Miller has this great quote that I wanted to tell you. George Miller's the director of Mad Max uh, to anybody who's like, who the F that? <laughs> So this this is kind of why – this is a portion of why I love movies and why I think you love movies. Okay, so I'm going to read it. <clears throat> I believe cinema is now the most powerful secular religion, and people gather in cinemas to experience things collectively the way they once did in church. The cinema storytellers have become the new priests. Mm. They're doing a lot of the work of our religious institutions, which have so concretized – concretized maybe the concretized the metaphors in their stories taken so much of the poetry mystery and mysticism out of the religious belief that people look for other places to experience and question their spirituality 
and I was like, that's yeah, wow, golden. that is that was really good. Yeah, I just wanted to share that here because I think that that's that's why that's a portion of why I want to make movies, and that's why we talk about movies. That's why we love movies. Totally. That's why we talked about the Oscars. Like there, I think a lot of people devalue the power of cinema. It, totally. I mean, because you're pretty much you make a movie to tell a story, and I think that a lot of the talent that comes along with telling stories through cinema is you have a lot of different elements like the music behind it the just the visual like it literally stimulates almost every part of the brain and then you have this underlying story that could be filled with a lot of great little truth nuggets that people can connect to in in kind of an abstract way because Mm -hmm. anyone that goes in to see a film you take out of it what you relate to personally which is what we talk about all the time on here is that, you know, when it comes to like spiritual beliefs, it's all very individualistic and you're going to take from whatever you want from anything. And I think that the great thing about film is you can really be empowered by it and really draw a lot from it. So it's just, and the thing is, is that, you know, especially today, the like Liberty to like make a movie and just tell a story like you can do, whatever you want to the possibilities are endless right and people are going to come into the theater and they're all going to sit there and they're going to enjoy this this act of love and creativeness that you have like put forward and like something that you're just passionate about and you're sharing with like rooms and rooms of people all over the world and they're sitting and they're experiencing it at mm-hmm. the same time yeah like and it it's it is a very great. spiritual experience too and I think when you, we is. talk about church, you know, church is not necessarily people going to a specific building as a church, but, you know, the church in general is just the gathering of people with common interests. Yes. And I mean, yes. that's what you do when you go to a movie. You're sitting around a community of people that have a common interest in wanting to see an experience film together. I mean, that's why people go to the movies. I mean, at this point, you can download anything and watch it at home. But people want to see it together. They want to experience together. They want to feel that energy and kind of just thrive off of it. And I think that is a very church-like thing. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so too. And I believe that we're going to be getting back to that point a little bit later on with some of our fan mail. But fan mail. Yeah, that's the bad way to put it. It is, because no one's that. With one of our emails. Yeah. (laughs) We'll say that. It's all digital. But before we get to that email, we should talk about our other emails. And in general, I think that we should move into emails. Yeah, because, guys, we got three this week. We are moving up. Moving on up. Anyone? (laughs) Setting PRs. I love it. Um, Do you have them pulled up or do you want me to read them? Uh, I got one pulled up. Which one do you have pulled up? I have Sarah and Kylie's email pulled up. Perfect. Let's. This is the perfect place to start. Um. So Sarah and Kylie. I work with Sarah and Kylie. That's how. That's how I know them. I was. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, did we really just get an email from people that neither of us knows? And I was like so excited. No, not at all. I like Dang. one morning I like walked in towards my office and there they are sitting at the table down the hall and they're like, we're writing you your email and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my but no, they, I mean, I appreciate them and they, uh, 
I, well, I appreciate them a lot for many reasons. Uh, but they they actually like listen to the podcast and um. Well, thank you, Kylie and Sarah. Yeah, and thank you for emailing. Honestly, a lot of the, not a lot, but several teachers from my school that I work at actually listen to it. So that's so cool. Shout out to you guys. Still trying to get my coworkers to listen. Um, if you're listening now, thank you. It's about time. If not, um, see you at work. I go hide in my corner. Yep, see you at work. <laughs> um, yeah, so why don't you read that one? Okay. Since So, oh, it, question. It, never mind. <laughs> go ahead. No, it's fine. Okay, I'm just... We'll go through both parts. Okay, so first part. Question yes. from <laughs> Sarah <laughs> Shamrock and Kylie Cyrus. Which are not Can their I names. Uh, oh, is it... Is it actually Cryus, or did she mean Cyrus? They, they meant Cyrus. Okay. You guys spelt Cyrus wrong, guys. filled it in. <laughs> um, yeah, we had made up... I don't remember why we made up these nicknames at one point, but yeah, oh we thought goodness. Kylie Cyrus Wait. just sounded so good, <laughs> and we laughed <laughs> about it. A lot better it. than Cryus. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Wait, so you're telling me you have a nickname, too, and you haven't told me? I don't think I have a nickname, honestly. Oh. Well, dang. Tell them that you need one. Well, they'll listen, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sarah and Kylie. Yes. John needs a nickname. There, I said it. Okay. Okay. So the first part of the email mm-hmm. is please wrap a little of shoop as the intro to our email. Yes. And you know, I'm a little ashamed. I had to look this up. I didn't know what they were referring to. And the only reason the only reason I knew vaguely. that knew the song is because it's in Deadpool. And I, I saw a Deadpool. That's how I know. And it was in the trailer. And so that's how I knew of it. And that's how I think they knew of it. And so it's kind of mm. been in our minds at school. Oh, okay. <laughs> when we teach children. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, going crazy in them classrooms. Girl, we are. Um, yeah, stay away. So, yeah. Okay. So we're going to attempt to do so, it together. We didn't. We, yeah, did, we, we did not practice this. this. Little we did not. It's, gonna it's literally going to be so bad. I just pictured it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This isn't going to be good. Okay. okay. We're going for it, though. Should we do our... Do you want to do... Three, two, one? Uh, yeah. Because we're getting good at this. <clears throat> okay. Ready? Wait. Yep. Three, two, one, go. What? And then we'll go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Three, two, two one, one, go. Go. Here I go. Here, here I go. go. Here, here I go. Go, here go, I go again. again. Girls, what's my, <laughs> weakness? Girl, what's my weakness? Methods and John K. And John K. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that was actually worse than I thought it was going to go. Uh, so there you go. Do we... Ooh, that was bad. I mean, it was bad, but like good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I brought it, I thought. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would use the word it. brought it. I think you were there. Uh, I, you were there for sure. Should we go again? No, I don't think. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's going to get better. <laughs> so. Here I go. Here I go. Here I go again. I know that part really well. well don't we all? <laughs> it's whenever it turns into the parody bit where I'm like, I don't know how to say that. Right. It's okay. We Anyways. did it. Anyways. I hope you're. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Hope you guys are happy. They better be. Okay. Continuing through the email. Yes. Okay, so you're being chased by zombies in the. Apocalypse. Yeah. I think they put the caps in the wrong place. But <laughs> the apocalypse. Uh-huh. The only way to be saved is by having sexual intercourse with your celebrity crush. Who would it be and where would you uh, do it? Yeah. 
first off, I just want to say that that's a very good pun. I am yes. proud of you guys for that one. It, it's, good job. it's not the first pun we've gotten in the emails. It's not. You guys, you are, guys really are really funny. good. Yeah, I mean, I, you bring I, I in the puns. Them, so, um, yeah, Mathis. <laughs> here's the thing about this question. This is tell me the thing, John. Well, here's the thing. We <laughs> this. I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> and we even <laughs> talked about this beforehand. <laughs> it's very. It, it's not like us to a talk about stuff yeah. like this. Um, I mean, not that we wouldn't talk about, you know, sex and stuff, but to talk about it in this way, um, it's not really our style, I would say. Let's just, let's just say this is a very broski question. Yeah. And me and, me and Mathis like make fun of the broskies. <laughs> we love to make fun of the broskies. And if you don't know what the broskies are, just think of like frat boy, you know, people at parties with their kegs and they're like, yo man, there's the girls. Man, there and me and Mathis are, are like painted and screaming at the football game. Me and Mathis are like the guys outside that are like watching the movie through the window, like <laughs> you know, trying to rap. Here I go. Here yeah. I go. Here I go again. That's us. Um, so we have that in common. <laughs> we do. We so yeah. We we don't really have these hypotheticals unless we're being ironic about the bros. Right. And. But I don't know. I just this is a this is a ridiculous question, Sarah and Kylie, because I just imagine the apocalypse happens, and <laughs> at least in your guys's hypothetical, there's like a room. There's just a gaggle of celebrities, uh-huh. and and me and John walk in, and we're the and saviors. I mean, the human race walks in, yeah, and we're like, well, to save ourselves, we have to we have to sleep with the the, the celebrity crush, you know, like the one that we are most infatuated by, right. and she's in this room. She's, right, she's here. And I think, what's I just, what if you like walk in and then th- th- she's not there, and you're like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> right. Like, then, then you're screwed. And then everyone's screwed because the apocalypse happens. To truly access like any proximity of my celebrity crush and save myself from the apocalypse mm-hmm. is pretty much like a one in zillion chance. That's like, true. We'd have to become like just, hardcore stalkers, and which I, I'm not like opposed to. I'm not opposed to being a stalker in the apocalypse. Yeah, no shame. If that's going to be my role, I will okay. take that role. I'll take my gun and that role. You know, zombies that sushi are like stalkers. What was that? Zombies are stalkers, you know? They're like stalking for they the do. kill. They do. Like they like smell. The, it's like kind of creepy. Want the body. They want to eat it and and then What was that? I don't know. They don't get full, so nothing. Oh, okay. We can just move on. Oh, okay. I just I just, I just imagine like a conveyor belt of all these celebrities. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, it's like nope, no, that's not mine. No, nope, that's not mine. No, maybe, Bingo. maybe we'll Time we'll come to back to you. Yeah, it's like maybe my crush just changed, and, but maybe it's just and like what if you choose the wrong person? You know, right? What then if like it's what not happens? The crush of your soul. It's just the crush of a moment. Wow, that that got deep. Well, uh, yeah. Sarah and Kylie, I know I'm gonna see you tomorrow morning, so you better listen in the morning. <laughs> I just don't see any world where where this this person, this woman is is there. Wow, that got real sad. I think too sad that we need to move on. <laughs> yes. Andrew emailed us. Yes. Um we went to college with Andrew. He, yes, we did. I yes, adore him. 
He's, um, he's a wonderful person. I was co-RAs with him. We talked about how I was Mathis's RA, which means Andrew was also Mathis's RA. Um, I was just on the wing closer to Mathis, and Andrew was on the other side. But um, He's a good friend of ours. Yeah. He's the bomb okay. diggity, you know. So Andrew's email is, like, kind of long. I'm going to just, like, jump to my section and then john you jump to where he refers to you and then he's got like a bazillion questions (laughs) um so andrew suggested uh he recommends a youtube search for sam barber's adagio for strings for my musical meditations and last episode i was talking about how i was meditating and music Uh was like very influential and Andrew, that's actually one of my um, favorite, like, more classical music pieces. Have you heard it, John? Uh, I don't know it by name, but it doesn't mean I don't know it by what it sounds like. I think it's one of the it's one of the Especially... first like, classical pieces that I really got into because yeah. it's very cinematic. Like, it just feels like every it just feels like the emotional scene of every good war film. You know, oh. just like ah, oh, the moment where everything is is at its end and it's just this epically high stakes situation. Oh. And everyone's crying and sorry, I'm reading the email and he actually said, uh, he says that our RD when we were RAs, I remember the song now because he did play it for us. Right, um, it's very cinematic, isn't it? It is, and I remember that when he told us to listen to it, he, well, he asked us afterwards how it made us feel, and I remember thinking it was very much like um a, the um I almost said Tree of Life. But like the life, the full circle of life. life. No, like the full circle of life. Like it starts off Mm. almost like a birth. And then you have this growing to like a pinnacle. And then you kind of have it like veer off into, you know, the end of life. And it's very beautiful. And I just, I remember thinking it was very much like just the flow of life. Mm -hmm. The, The ending is what just like really makes it for me. Like, it's just this very somber, very soft and like ending mm-hmm. fleeting feeling at the very end. It's very, very moving. I like it a lot. So, so thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. You reminded me that I should be listening to that when I meditate. So I will. Yeah. I'll cue it in there. Cue that. Um, and then <laughs> he, yeah, Andrew was talking he wrote something on tattoos because we talked about that last week and he said it made him think of uh, John Foreman's lyric and John Foreman's from Switchfoot. He also has um, some solo albums, but um, his lyric from the song where I belong, where it says this skin and bones are a rental. Um, and he said he hadn't made the connection to listening to us talk about tattoos. Um, mm-hmm. And he thought that it would add an inter- interesting perspective to the, uh, in quotes, your body is a temple, and tattooing defaces the argument. So, which I think a lot of uh, more religious people, that's kind of their argument when it comes to tattoos, is that, right. you know, your body is a temple created by God and that we shouldn't deface it in any way. Um, I, still, I think it's very silly because I feel like A, people get, you know, they have scars. I think people that they can't control. And I don't think that that deface, I think if we're talking about defacing our body, I think that what do, what are they saying a body should look like? Are they saying that it should be without imperfections? Um, Cause I think a lot of things happen in life where, yeah, you may not 
actually decide to get ink on your body, but things like, you know, you get cuts or some people even, you know, cut themselves and they have scars, which some people may think, you know, that's defacing their body. So it's kind of like, where do you draw the line? You know, I don't think, I think that what you choose to put on your body, A, it tells a story. You know, I think that, you know, people that, you know, have been, have cut themselves. I think that those scars tell a very powerful story of, you know, their lowest point. And then it shows that you can still heal from it. And it doesn't mean that the scars go away. You know, those wounds are still there, but you can still overcome it. So, and I think the same for tattoos, you know, it's definitely, it's a story in in and of itself where, well, I mean, for some people, um, you know, it tells a story that I think is just as meaningful. And I don't think that it matters, honestly, what you do with your body. I think it's yours to do it. it, I mean, you know, I, yeah, sorry. I remember, I can't place this song right now, but I remember liking it a lot. Um, and I think John Foreman's a pretty good songwriter. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I say I can't place it because I'm not sure of the context of this lyric exactly, but it could be the case that uh, John is saying. Um, Me, John, or John Foreman? John Foreman. Classic. Good, good, good point to, <laughs> to clarify right there. Our good friend he John could Foreman. Be saying, <laughs> he could be saying. He could be saying that. This skin and bones are a rental, meaning this is the temporal location of my soul. Totally. This and is not... I'm guessing he was not talking about tattoos, but I think like Andrew was saying, it does make you think of tattoos. Um, it does, yeah. But I I guess the the more times I look at it, the more I'm like, I think he means that yeah. we're only we're only here in this body for a period of time. Totally. Like this is not I'm the sure end. that's what he meant. Yeah. But I appreciate the connection. I do too, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The rest of the email is... It's a lot. Andrew, you didn't come up with these questions. (laughs) There's no way you came up with these. You just Googled silly, witty questions to send people in podcast emails. And and there's a section for that if you Google. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... There's a lot of them. Go, They're one that I... There's a lot. I, there's 10 guys. Yeah. And to give you an example of what one is so that you guys understand, it's like one was, why do we park in a driveway and drive on the parkway? You know, so it's like these brain teasers. But one of it's them... It's like hashtag smug. Yeah. But one of these stuck out to me. And it was, if con is the opposite of pro, is Congress the opposite of progress? And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, burn. I actually Um, said burn when I read this. Yeah, it's totally a burn. Um, That's a good one. I know. I just kind of like it. I don't really think it really applies. I think they're two very different things. But I love the idea of it because I think Congress is so um, effed up. I think all of government is, honestly, at this point. But especially when you watch House of Cards, you're like, obviously, this isn't fully true. But there's probably at least a little truth if not a lot of truth to what goes into things like congress and the senate and oh yeah um so yeah i agree if con is the opposite of pro is congress the opposite of progress yes it is that's a that's a burn that's a good one right there i'm just kidding but seriously so i i did a little research for one of these andrew number six is 
if a Smurf chokes, what color does it turn? And I, you know, I couldn't, I didn't think I would find a lot of choking Smurfs. But I was like, I'm sure that in the comics and in the movies and the cartoons, they've been angry before. So I looked through photos of angry Smurfs because the best way to communicate, you know, anger is the changing of colors. And in every single moment that I found an angry Smurf, they had not changed a single color. So I'm going to guess that Smurfs are just perpetually blue. And that if a Smurf chokes, it's it's still perpetually blue. So Wow. First of so all, there you go, Andrew. good for you for looking up Smurf things. I'm sure you're probably... <laughs> you know, it's just an average right. Saturday night for me. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> my guess is that they would turn black. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to continue down this dark path <laughs> you have just started, John. That's really morbid, and I think that you need to go cleanse your mind. Satan be gone. <laughs> Satan be gone. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, and Andrew, we do appreciate your email, but we're not going to go through any more of those. <laughs> At least this time. We can talk about it again. Well, if we ever have a lull, we'll just pull those questions. Well, not even a lull. If we just kind of want to, you know, banter a little. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we may come I back to those. I a few answers to a few of them. Um, in our last. You smug son of a gun. You son of a gun. <laughs> um, the last one, and actually the first email that we got this week, um, we didn't forget about you. We just wanted to talk about you last because it was such a good email. Um, so good. It was from uh, Erica. And I I know Erica through our families went to the same church when we were younger. She had a brother that was my age. Um, so we've known each other. We're not like best friends. We've, we run into each other quite, I, don't, I guess I don't want to say quite a bit, but we have a lot of mutual friends that still live. Um, in the town that I live in. So we do come across each other. And when I worked at Starbucks, I saw her come in a lot. Um, mm. So um, I don't know why I went into the background of that, but that's who Eric is. Um, and she wrote us this super awesome email and it was full of she so did. many great gems um, and so many great thoughts. Um, it's a really long email, um, which we love. So don't feel bad for writing yeah. a long email, Erica. Um, I just oh, don't really know yep. where to start. Um, well, yeah, go for it. I'm going to jump into the first thing that she gets into. Jump, this jump is right what into I, this puddle. Yeah, I'm going to. Um, this is this is what I said that we would be getting back to. And I just, I think this is a very interesting topic. And it's, it's a very tough one to answer, but I love the conversation of it. Me too. So, um, first off, like... John said, Erica, this is a, a great email, and it just, it was just a very, it was well thought a out, very encouraging, yeah, it's, yeah, it's well thought out, and it's also just an encouraging thing that, you know, you, you know, you get more out of this than just the banter stuff, yeah. you know, you enjoy the, you enjoy the podcast, I, so, thank you very much, and this means you actually listen to the whole thing, because we talk about all this stuff at the end, so God <laughs> bless you, <laughs> okay, so, um, Starting starting a few sentences down, Erica writes, I grew up in a similar belief dynamic as John, mm-hmm. and in college I attended a year at Moody Bible Institute in Spokane, Washington. The combination of going to this school with the upbringing in the church, it felt like kind of destroyed my faith some. I don't think it was necessarily that these places or institutes uh, institutes 
were doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. although some of those people were seriously whack. <laughs> but maybe it was more due to a personality difference. Yeah. I didn't think, or I didn't have a personality type that thrived in these places. I watched as others seemed to experience so much growth and joy and wondered what was wrong with me that I wasn't on the same page with them, mm-hmm. like, at all. Ooh, that hit me. It wasn't till after my experience with Moody and that I stepped away from the school and the church that I realized that I could thrive and grow in my personal belief and faith, and it didn't have to be in those exact mm-hmm. environments. So, yeah, that was just a bit of random background where I'm coming from. It felt somewhat relatable to what you guys have talked about. Part of what I'm wrapping this around to is that uh, as I grow older and see this generation progress, I see more and more people who profess to have some type of faith or belief but have become disenchanted with the church. That's a perfect way to put it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Great, great word choice, Erica. As this next generation emerges, do you believe that people's beliefs will be stronger and more solid with more people expressing faith outside of the church walls Mm -hmm. or will we see personal beliefs faith religion etc diminish as people leave the church or are there never or are never involved in any organized religion at all i do have to admit even though i am not a part of the church right now it did give the foundation of my faith and Organized organized religion. That's basically what Erica's getting at in the first half of her email. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to get right into my opinion. I think that I seriously do believe that there's a place for organized religion, and mm-hmm. you could look at it in that George Miller quote. Yeah. People, people get a lot out of a form of community. Totally. And I'm not saying that, you know, Erica, you don't have to go to church to keep growing in your faith, like not by any means, but there is a certain aspect to everybody believing in an idea or having an experience or all being focused on spirituality and being together and having those conversations. Or, you know, if you're in a movie theater, having that experience, there's, there's something about the togetherness of spirituality. Um, and I think that you know, I think that you can you can for sure grow in faith, and you can for sure grow in spirituality, belief, um, without having those. But I think that it is it's one of those elements that, like, if if you have that opportunity to truly experience community, like very solid community, then you should be going for it because it's going to enlighten parts of. Uh, your spiritual walk in your life that you know being on your own and going through these same uh, these same breakthroughs and thresholds and obstacles and enlightenments like you know you you won't experience it the same way um, and you know like uh, John John isn't going to church right now uh, I am but way to uh, throw me under the bus it's, <laughs> <laughs> It's a buzz I'm driving. (laughs) Anyways. Oh, wow. (laughs) Sorry. That was a joke. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I am am going right now, and sometimes I don't want to go, like, at all. And (laughs) and there's times where where I I go, and when I'm walking out of that service, I'm like, you know, there, there wasn't. 
there wasn't much there for me. Um, but even if I walk out with like a little like sliver of uh, of an experience or an idea or the feeling of being all together with those people, I'm I'm usually very happy to have gone. And I'm not, you know, like mm-hmm. I went through a period of time where that sliver wasn't enough, and it wasn't, you know, it was not worth the it was not worth the time or the energy to go, you know, sit through 99.9% of slodge and then get that little sliver where I'm like, Hey, Hey, that actually does help me. I'm glad I'm here. But, um, I'm at the, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with the sliver. Uh, and I'm not saying that even if you knew, Oh, you know, I'll definitely get something out of going. I'm not saying that you should be going. It's all, it's all place and time and really feeling out totally. those experiences. And I'm not going to exclude that to the church, obviously. Um, you need to be, or not you need to be, but you you can find community in other areas. And I think that's that's where I want to wrap up for right now. I want to see what you have to say about it, John, and maybe I'll have more to say. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I, I, I'm just going off of the, with the last thing I remember you saying, which was that, um, you definitely, I think it's good to take time away from church. Honestly, you know, when I was going through this whole process, I was still going to church and I would just get so angry. Like, and, and I don't even really know. I mean, I do know why, but I just, it wasn't healthy because I would go in with such a mindset that I knew I was going to get angry at, um, what they were saying. And it got to a point where it's like, well, then why am I even going? Like, why put myself through that? And why put honestly the people around me through that? Because if you're going in angry, you're putting off an energy that is very negative. And I think that in order to really get away from that anger, which I think a lot of people that grew up in the church who not didn't really necessarily have a choice in going to church, it was just kind of always a part of them. I think a lot of, uh, I'm going to say us, because I mean me, um, but <laughs> I think we need to spend a little time away in order to really get mm-hmm. some a frame of reference of, you know, if this is really something we want, you know, I, yeah. I think it was kind of just really put into us that you need to go to church every Sunday because that's what a Christian would do. And, you know, that's what God wants us to do. And so there's a lot of fear in that. And I think there's a lot of shame uh, when you first don't go on a Sunday. I know I felt it, honestly, almost every Sunday I didn't go. I felt so shameful. Um, and that was just kind of at the beginning, but I think it's really important to get over that anger before you go back. And I'm definitely at a place where I, I, I can go to church and not get angry. Um, I have a lot more empathy and I honestly don't know if we mm-hmm. can find that empathy when we're in that state of anger. Um, because I, th- yeah, so I'll, I'll stop that one there. Um, uh, just to give a little bit of my um my own personal journey with this they just started like the next set of like community groups at my church mm-hmm. and i have never done this uh i just don't like the idea of it like on the surface but i'm going to try it and and it's one of those things where it's like i mean if i if i want to get more out of organized religion mm-hmm. or if i want to like uh fully fully round my opinion of it i need to like 
I need to try different elements of it. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little nervous about it because I'm afraid that there's going to be is going to be people who who don't like what I have to say. There's going to be people who are personally offended by my own personal beliefs. Yeah. Like they're going to be their beliefs will be hurt by my own beliefs. And I think it could be like down to I mean it could even be down to like the simplest things as in like just just a comment about the political season and it's like yeah. I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I, I'm also just on this journey for if there is something for me in organized religion, then I need to I need to look a little bit more because I'm not I'm not getting I'm not getting everything I want out of it. And and if uh, church isn't enough, what is enough? Like, where do I find where Ooh. do I find community? Where do I find right. uh, authenticity? Uh, good word. Good people, people after the same things that I'm after, mm-hmm. people with the the freedom to question things yes. that you know I'm after, like the. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else I was gonna say there, but um, but you know, and I might not find that, but you know, you gotta keep looking for it because it it does it does help in in a spiritual walk, and there is a place for. Isolation's a negative word. Help me out, John. Solitude. Mm. Solitude. Yeah. There's a place to be, to be apart from that community too. Yes. And oh. and I would, I would never rebuke anybody who wanted to to be away from any form of organized religion, um, for a period of time, you know, until they until they feel better <laughs> about um not better just. What's the word, John? Not better. Well, not it's... better, but I think you just you need to be able you know, to get enough space so that you can see it for what it is, and because it's hard to need... it's hard to see when you've been in it your whole life, you can't really see it see things for what they are. And I don't mean in a bad way or a good way. I just think mm-hmm. you know you need to get some space so that you can really almost have like an out of body experience where you can look and see kind of what it does to you and whether or not you want to be a part of that. Um, yeah, to really, to really, um, to really channel your choices, like, and to make it an is, independent choice. I know for a exactly. lot of us, um, us churchgoers, you know, us kids, um, us kids, you know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't much of a choice, and not that, and I don't mean that like people like literally forced us to go, but it was just what we did. It was like we eat, we drink, and we go to church. Like it was just a part of our lives, um, right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there definitely comes a point where you need to make it an individual choice and really know your motives for going to church and uh, understanding what you can get out of it. Um, and I I think go go ahead. Well, mine was going a little off topic, so that's fine. Mine does too. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say I know when I was first starting this journey, um, my last year of college. I was going to this church in our school's town and I just remember being so bored every single week and every Sunday, like I wouldn't want to go and I would go and I would be bored, but I felt so much pressure to go from the people around me. And it got to a point because we went to a very small school. We had 1100 kids. I lived in the dorms my full four years, um, which is, I know very unique because I have friends and family that went to big colleges that, you know, they're in dorms for one year and then they're off campus. 
Um, I love the experience of being in dorms. And the one thing that I got from it is it's very much like its own little community. And I remember thinking like, I find going to church so boring, but like, why can't this community of people that I'm around 24 seven, why can't this be my church for the week? You know what I mean? Like if church is just a gathering of people that have, you know, common similarities and that want the same thing why can this not be my church and why do i have to go out to a place where i'm really not getting anything when i'm getting so much from just being around these people and investing in their lives yeah um and so that was really the first time where i was like i don't even really know what church is to me anymore and i don't think that as a society we really have a great definition of church and i think it's very one-dimensional when really i think it's Mm -hmm. so abstract the idea of church i mean really church is just a community of people it could be two people it could be thousands um and so i think that's also a reason why me and the church have had some distance just because i'm not (laughs) i'm not sure that the the church system that i grew up and i don't know if that's really my type of church obviously i want some type of community um but i don't know Well, that actually leads into what I was going to say, like just my last thought on this topic is... Yeah, and then we should um, move on. Erica, Erica's, you know, saying like, will this this whole, this whole um, church aspect of, you know, lifestyle, will it diminish over time? We should get to our actual question. You know, I, I really hope that the church does not diminish over time what i do think will happen is that the idea of church will be revolutionized and people will find ways to make it to make it free and make it real for other people and that will slowly that will slowly spread into uh more parts of the world that would be my hope for that i would hate to see to see all forms of church diminish and when i say church i mean it in the broadest sense i mean people people gathered in community in uh in brotherhood with fellowship with or or sisterhood in any way where they are there they are like supporting each other they are building each other up and they are and they are um connected and i mean yeah i don't think just to say to say bye to all of that which that's like ludicrous but (laughs) i don't think we have any reason to worry about like communities ever not being a thing i mean if you look at even the post-apocalyptic movies all it is is people coming together as a community and fighting for you know a similar thing which you could define as a church in in and of itself so i think no matter what happens in the world there will always be communities that you can label yes um i don't think that's going anywhere i do think that there's a change in organized religion when it comes to physical churches um and you know honestly i think it's just it's going to be something that goes up and it goes down i think it's always fluctuating i think we are definitely in a time and in an open society where the idea of organized religion is not um it's not everyone's cup of tea and so i think we're definitely going kind of in a downward trend of people wanting to go to a physical church um but in saying that i think that in time we'll get to a point where if people don't go to a physical church for a long time eventually they're probably going to want something along those lines and it'll go up again i mean i think it's just always fluctuating um 
I, w- I am, I'm excited to see what actually comes from kind of our generation of people who really are looking past the physical mm-hmm. church and looking past, you know, typical religions and really trying to identify kind of more of the mystery of the world. And I'm kind of excited to see what will come from it. Um, that's really all I have to say. I was about to say the same thing. I'm very excited to see where it leads. I am very hopeful. I'm not worried about it. I think, I think people long for something, uh, spiritual and something that revolves around a higher power of some sort, whether that just be the idea that the universe is a higher power or believing in a, an actual God. Um, I think people really connect to that and connect to this idea of divineness and that there's a higher purpose for the world. So I, I'm not worried about that ever going away. So you should, um, read the, the next bit that you wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Um, so then Erica goes on to say she wants to touch on, uh, one of our more recent conversations about there being either an all loving God or an all powerful God, but not both. Um, she said it made her think of an article Um, that she read recently. Um, It was about the thought that there is no hell, and it had uh, points and references to the Bible, which um, they thought could be proof that there is no actual hell. Um, So she says, depending on your view of the Bible, this argument could be invalid. She says, regardless, Mm -hmm. she thought it was a beautiful idea or thought that a place of forever torment, like all people picketing love, like all the people picketing love to scream about, oh, um, like Westboro, um, mm. that it actually does not exist. Um, and then she goes how it falls really closely to Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, which I love, and I would recommend anyone to read and to go into that book without the things that you've heard about it because I guarantee that the things you've heard about it that have made you had hard feelings for it are probably misleading. Um, yeah. Uh, this whole topic is... A, it's one of my favorite topics, um, and B, it's one of my... F- so good job, Erica. <laughs> so thanks, Erica. Um, this was also... Like, I feel like there were a few key things that really made me question this idea of church and Christianity and where I really wanted my spiritual life to go, and hell was definitely one of those pinnacle things where I was like, you know, if the Christian God will destine certain people to hell and certain people to heaven... Um, that that is not a God I can believe in. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about before of what type of God do you want to believe in? But I got to a point where I cannot believe in a God that would uh, send people to hell without, and that, that means like, I can't believe in a God that would not give us a choice uh, in that manner, which is what Calvinism is about. Um, I know there's a lot to Calvinism and I'm not trying to like um, put it all on Calvinism, but Calvinism is this idea that, you know, we are predestined, you know, that whether or not you're going to heaven is written in the book of life. And there's really nothing you can do, um, to change that. And I don't believe that whatsoever. Um, that's not a belief that I would hold at all. Um, uh, where was I going? Um, so yeah. Um, I personally cannot believe in a God that would send people to hell. Um, I love the idea that um, we create the hell that we live in, or we live in a hell that we create. Um, Mm -hmm. I love the, you can call it a metaphor, I love the thought that, you know, 
the only hell that we really live in is the one we create for ourselves. And I fully believe that. Like, I feel like the world that we live in is so as beautiful as it is. It's so torturous. Like there's not a day yes. that goes by where I'm not like in so much mental torm like turmoil. And to me, this place seems like a version of hell. Um, and I think that there's almost an argument to be made that maybe this is the hell that we are living in and that there's really no actual forever torment hell. Um, and if you read, oh, I don't even know if I should go into Rob Bell's book, um, but <laughs> um, I really don't know where to go with this because I want to be smart with how I talk about it. Of course, yeah. Um, I personally, okay, here's this. Um, we did not have a choice to be born, at least not on a conscious level. I, I mean, we could go into these I philosophical ideas that, you know, we as our souls before that we chose to live life. But in a conscious world, we did not choose to be born. And I cannot think of any action that we could perform on this earth, no matter how horrific or no matter what you do to someone else that would constitute living in a forever torment, you know, to live in a place that is literally the worst place you can think of. I can't think of anything on this world that we could do that would justify that. Um, especially when we are all sinners in the words of Christianity, we are all sinners. We all yep. make mistakes. And you're going to tell me that just because this person did something that is relatively um, worse than the things I've done that he's going to spend forever, you know, burning away in torment and just so much evil that, that he's going to have to deal with that and I get to be with God forever. Like it, that makes no sense to me. It does not constitute a living God or a living God, a loving God to me. I cannot imagine a God that would do that, especially when we were not given a choice to live life. You know, it's like if we, is this making sense? Oh, yeah, it's totally okay. making sense. I'm just not interrupting your stream right now. Well, thanks. My stream got interrupted by my thoughts. Um, you know, and I know people bring up Hitler a lot and that Hitler did so many horrific things. And yes, he did. Um, but, you know, we preach about this God who forgives. But, like, where is that follow through? If God is a God who forgives, then he forgives everyone. I'm sorry. Like, he forgives the people that do that just steal a piece of candy and that he forgives the people that do horrific crimes. Like if we're going to believe in an all loving God, then he loves Hitler just as much as he loves the newborn baby that was born yesterday. And that is really, really hard to comprehend. It is. Yeah. But I want to believe in a God that is like that because honestly, evil is so relative there. You know, I always give this example when I talk to people about it, like um, when it comes to murder, like if someone's coming in your house and is pointing a gun at your child and you happen to kill the person who's going to kill your child. Yes, you killed. Yes, that is murder. But is it m less of a murder because you saved your child? You know, it's also relative. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because some people would say, wow, you're a hero. hero. And some people would say you're a murderer. So 
the idea of truth is so relative that I can't see any particular way that there is a place where, you know, we're separated from God when we die. And I, there's an argument to be made that, you know, we, um, you know, if we can choose whether or not we want to be with God and whether or not there's some type of place like purgatory or whatever where you can, I don't know, like, uh, I, I really don't know. What do you have to think about it? Well, first off, I think that questioning the existence of hell is a very important part of any, um, any like, Christianity following person, following person, uh, because it's, it's something that you should form your own opinions about, and I had never really thought about it until you had brought it up to me uh, a few months ago. Like I had never questioned mm -hmm. the existence of hell. Like I'd never, I'd never uh, taken that piece of you know furniture out of my room <laughs> and examined it. Yeah, <laughs> and then said like, oh well, it, it fits here. Like this is this is how I I see it, or this is what it means to me. So I am I am currently just in a place where I have been thinking a lot about this and I need to put a lot more uh, research into it. The coolest talking point or the most like fascinating talking point to me is to take the moments uh, when Jesus uh, mentions hell or the lake of fire mm -hmm. or damnation. And, you know, you touched on this and to actually just put that into a very internal perspective, like our damnation is what we do to ourselves. I mean, even if that's, even if that's not true to you, uh, you listener, or to me, um, like that's that's something very fascinating and worth just like pondering and totally. playing with the idea of that. Because, I mean, like I've mentioned it on the podcast before, I think that uh, we bring heaven to earth. I think that we bring goodness to earth, and I also think that there is there is hellish quality existing in earth there is an evilness to the world and you were saying it john like there's just it's a torturous place and it can it can beat you to your knees and there's just a lot a lot that can make you or not make you fail but a lot that could that can stop you and i think that you can live you can live in a place of your own damnation you mm -hmm. could choose you could choose that uh, so, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that yet, but I'm definitely That's playing around with the idea of that because because I think that that is incredibly fascinating. Even if a true hell does exist, like hell in the traditional sense, yeah. like there is a lake of fire and people are burning for eternity, like, uh, goodness gracious, terrible to even think about. But even if it does exist... The, the elements that people have brought up in this discussion of what what if it's internal, what if mm -hmm. you are your own damnation, that could still hold true. And I think that that's also very powerful and that's important uh, in the same way that if, if there is a heaven, we're not in the heaven now. Uh, if you believe that, then, uh, you know, if there is a hell and we're not in that hell now, both of those elements are still like here in this world and if you do go by the traditional belief of like, well, there's earth and there's heaven and there's hell, 
they're not segregated things to me. There's a string that runs through all of them. There's like this surge of energy that's moving through all of them. And right now, to me, I do believe that there is, like I, I said it a little bit before, that the hellish quality to the world. I think that there, that as there are beautiful spiritual elements, there are evil spiritual elements in the world. And I think that a lot of that is... Um, a lot of that is what leads to people being torn down. And, um, you know, just as I, I started questioning the existence of hell, one of, one of the things that I've quickly come around to is like, well, but I do believe that there are, there is a dark force in, um, that is existent. Like I do strongly believe that there is a dark force. But what if that dark uh, force is just that a part of us, you know what I mean? Like, what if we're creating that based on our negativity and our outlook on the world, and it just kind of manifests itself in right. these thoughts that there is something external that is, you know, inhibiting us, but really we're inhibiting ourselves. And the, the quote that I, I love that always gets me is, uh, why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? And that's like exactly how I feel like this world is that we live in. Yeah. You know, we think that we live in this prison, but every single day we could walk right outside that prison door and into yeah. freedom. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, freedom with God or freedom, but I mean like just in being who you want to be and fulfilling your happiness and your purpose. I mean, it... no. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that, that that dark element i think a lot of that does manifest itself in you and you have to tackle it you have to just like you have to acknowledge that there are things in your mind that are like pulling you back or yeah. holding you back barriers that you're setting yourself up and boxes that you're putting yourself up in which is just something i've been circling a lot lately just putting yourself yeah. in the box like you by default we kind of just grow up doing it like it's a part of humanity to continue to limit yeah. yourself and you have to constantly fight to push back on the limits and to say that you are you're more than what you keep imagining yourself to be and there's always that little that little thing in the back of your mind that's saying like well this is this is who Mathis is Mathis is this and this and that and this is all he is and you have to be looking at that idea and say like well it's it's there and it's not true and i can i can break that down i can walk out of the prison door mm -hmm. nothing is keeping me here except me and i think that that is a very huge element of it maybe there are maybe there maybe it's all internal um either way it's either all internal or it's both external and internal either way i do believe that it is within you like that that darkness that bad place that or how much you let that it affect place to you. fall. I mean, yes. if there is an external evil force, I think that you can shut yourself off from that, and you you, you, you don't have to let oh, it yeah. in. So no, if there you is can an external, force, yes, totally. So either way, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so there's one last part to the email, and I think it's a great place to end. Um, mm, it do is. Do you want to read yeah. it, or do you want me to? Uh, Why don't you read it? I'll read it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. So Erica writes, I think it would be fantastic if you guys talked about the notion of hope, mm -hmm. which maybe you already have and I wasn't listening closely <laughs> enough. If so, my bad. But the thought and concept of hope has been very relevant to me recently. What does it mean for you guys personally? And can someone feel no hope but be sure 
or know that there is still Ooh, hope? child, yes. Or is it yes, just queen. a daydreamy word that is thrown no. around too often? Gosh, Erica, your email is on fire. Bro, you on like, fire. I love this. You on fire. <laughs> the girl um, on fire. Yowzers. I really connected with one part of that. Um, I, I heard it. Yeah, sorry. I get very vocal. The spirit That's, was in me. That, um, <laughs> the spirit was in John. That is the best part. I agree. Um, I know which part you're talking about. Yeah, it was because, honestly, once I graduated college and I went to grad school right away, from about then on, because, I mean, here's the thing. When you leave such a community of people like me and Mathis had at our school, you know, it's 1,100 people. We literally pretty much grew, I don't want to say grow up like from childhood, but, you know, we became adults together in the same group of people for four years. And then you suddenly lose all of that. Um, and it's very hard to deal with, you know, it's like losing part of your family and yes, they still exist in the world, but they're not right across the hall from you whenever you want them. Um, and so from that point on, once I left school, um, I honest, I did feel a lot of no hope. I mean, you know, you're just pushed down so far and it definitely has to do with the age. Um, and it has to do with, you know, the kids are kids our age, you know, the transition from, uh, you know, college students to adulthood is really, really hard now. And I don't think adults truly understand how hard that process is these days. Um, right. Because you lose so much and there's not a whole lot of great things that happen in between those few years. Um, but I totally had this innate sense of hope. And honestly, it was almost like an innate sense of yeah. purpose more so than hope. Like I can feel within me that there is still something that, I, John, need to accomplish in this world. And that sense of hope was honestly one of the only things that kept me from ship, sh- like, ship, ship for, oh my goodness, shivering. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's not shivering? No, it's not shivering. That's the one that I was stuttering through because clearly oh. I have a speech impediment. Um, shriveling, that's what it is. From shriveling mm, up. Um, good one. Because I honestly, I did feel no hope. I mean, because... There's just, oh, it's so hard if you're like not going through like the process of becoming a working adult after college. Um, so I definitely think that there is a thing to feeling no hope presently, but then within you intuitively feeling that there's still hope. Um, and I'm not sure yes. what that is. I don't know if that's like a collective hope for the world or if it's a collective hope for yourself. Um, but here's the thing. And if you don't feel that, I don't think that that's bad. You know, something I also learned that if you don't feel hope, then you have to create hope for yourself. And I kind of mentioned that last yes. week, but like that's something I also learned because honestly, like when I was going through all this, I prayed so hard that God would take me out of this deep, deep pit that I was in and he never did. And that's really hard. And that was hard to deal with, but it got to a point where it's like, okay, if God's not going to bring me out of this pit, then I have to do it myself. And that takes, it's a huge process, but you need to know that you can always create hope for yourself. And it's hard because obviously if you don't feel hope, it's hard to want to get up every day and work towards something, but that's why you got to create it for yourself because this world has so many mysterious elements to it that and there's so much going on in our world when it comes to like social media and the technological advancements that you can literally create anything you want 
Yeah. And fulfill whatever purpose you want to fulfill. But you need to create it for yourself if it's not going to happen organically. Um, and it's hard. And I mean, I'm still struggling through that myself, but um, you just have to do it. I mean, and that's yeah. been my personal journey. I know for some people, they feel like God really has led them to certain places. Um, but for me, he didn't lead me anywhere. And that's hard. <laughs> I, I know. And that's harsh. And, you know, maybe it's because I was closed off to it. You can make arguments either way. Um, but from my perspective, God did not help me one, what, whatsoever. You know, it was really, it was me. And I, you can call that self-obsessed, but I mean, I was the only one that was fighting for me at a certain point. And I think that's the only person that can fight for you, is you. Sorry, got, got a little heated. <laughs> no, that was great. That was so good, John. Um, I really like what you're saying about, you know, fighting for yourself. There are people who who feel, you know, more like, well, God just let me here and I'm doing well and I'm doing great. And, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's hard to put yourself outside of your own mind. Maybe I have been there more than I think, but I don't think that I've been there very often. I think that a lot of times, uh, my, my own personal belief is that God, God has you in certain circumstances and, um, or not has you, but, you know, you will find yourself in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, and if you want to change those, uh, if you want to make a certain decision, uh, you have to do it. And God, God will be there with you, but you have to do it. And it's, it is a growing process to learn how to do these things as a young adult or at any point in your life. And that's, that's the beauty of it to me. Once you get through these things, like, you're just so, like, wisdom is the only word I can think of for that. Like, to actually overcome these types of struggles oh my God. is incredible. And you would not, you would not, I mean, I would not ask for God to, I mean, in that moment, of course, I'm like, God, deliver me, God, deliver me. But, you know, once you're on the other end of any struggle, any struggle that I look back on, like, I'm so glad that I was not taken out of it and and just put in a better place, like lifted out of a pit I mean, and put on a pedestal. Like by making that climb, you have learned so much and you are able to talk to the rest of the world with experiences in your heart and in your mind. And you're able to – you can make a podcast, for example, and you can talk about spirituality because you have lived it. You have not been – you've not been delivered before – before any bad thing could ever right. touch your life. And, and I'm sure that's uh, the argument people would use that, you know, God was still there with you. Um, but that's really hard for me. And I'm not going to get into that now because that's a whole nother topic, but, um, right. But it's that's so why true. I said, this is where that, you know, that's for me, that's the, that's the thing. But either way you look at it, I mean, I think it's great if you do believe in God, I think it's so comforting to think that, you know, someone was there beside you. Um, but it doesn't help. Like, honestly, like if someone were to tell me that when I was going through all the stuff I was going through, I would not have felt good about hearing that. I would have felt like, Oh, great. Good for you. Good for you. That God's walking beside you. I'm over here. Um, right. You know, the rain's pouring on me. I'm in the darkness. So I, I just have trouble like saying that when I know how it feels to be in it and to not feel anyone walking beside you. 
Um, so that's just this is gonna this is gonna sound super cheesy, but cheese it up, boy. You, you're gonna know where I'm coming from because you know you know me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I guess for me, it's sort of like that. So there's something about that terminology that also irked me wrong as you were saying it. I was like. If he's just like walking right beside me, that just sounds well, terrible. It's like I'll pray for but, you. It's like cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks. Um, but for me, it's like, it's like I'm, you know, I'm coming up to a huge obstacle in my life, and it's it's a boxing match, and I'm walking into this match, and there's this there's this brute on the other end, and I'm trying to win. I'm trying to beat him. And I've got I've got God, you know, in my corner, and He's like, you know, He's brought me to this point, and He's like, you can do this. I cannot fight the fight for you. You will you will fight your fight, and you will be better for it. Whether you lose or win, we'll come back here and we'll do it again, and we'll keep doing mm-hmm. it, and I'll keep being with you. But whenever it comes down to the fight, like Mathis, I need you to act. Like if you want to win in life, you have to you have to go for it. You have to do everything that you can. And, and I want to fight that fight on my own and I want him in, you know, I want him in my corner. See, I hate that people always say, God's in my corner. God's in my corner. Yeah. That's so dumb. But for some reason to me, this is a very powerful well, yeah, metaphor. Yeah, you connect with it. And I, I think that I you do. need to connect to metaphors that really connect to you. That honestly doesn't right. connect to me, but I know what you're getting at. And I say, literally, if that is what gets you, then please, like, keep thinking that like i think it's awesome and it goes back to the individual thing i mean whatever something works for you it may not work for me but i still want you to do what works for you absolutely right so whatever whatever gets you totally to that place of you know conquering anything that would that would box you totally and and i haven't i haven't said anything about like innate hope and i just want to like oh yeah i want to jump in i want to like rewind and jump into that took up all the time no you're fine um, right now I, I feel like at a, I feel at a point where I am very, I'm like holding hope real deep inside and I'm like persisting and moving in ways that I have not for a while. You know, if you were to rewind, um, uh, six months or maybe a year yeah. or even like two years, like it was, I was where you are, you know, like, um, gosh, I just do not feel, I do not feel the hope right now. But I know that God's in your corner, Mathis. Oh, shut up, John. <laughs> shut up. Hey, J.K. Lol. J.K. Lol. Uh, uh, the fourth and final episode of Hello and I Do. <laughs> five. We're in the fifth episode. This is episode five? Yeah, dude. Man, I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I wish I could high five you right now. That's so exciting. I can't wait for the double digit mark. I know. I keep thinking about that, too. I'm so sorry for Anyways. cutting you off. No, no, that's fine. That was funny. Thank you. Um, when in moments where where I'm like, as as hopeless as I feel, like you can never stay there. At least for me, I can never stay there, like, so long that like the idea of like there's still hope coming in. Like you know, there there are moments where like there's a long stretch of like there's no hope. Mm-hmm. There's no hope. Like no hope in anything. But I can't stay there forever like i eventually come back to like well i'm hopeless but i cannot forget every time that i've seen hope um and i always come come back to that and and i love what you were saying about like 
make it for yourself, find it for yourself. Because I think that if you don't see, if you don't see hope in yourself, you need to like, you need to open your eyes and you need to look and you need to like, just stretch yourself and go and find where is hope. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, this is all coming full circle, which I appreciate. I think that, you know, movies are a huge element of that in my life. Like, um, obviously I am not those people and I have not lived those stories, but there's, there's always authenticity to, to hope in a good movie. Like it, it just rings true. And, and I see that I see a lot of, hopeful you know flicks and i'm like that's i like that i really like that i like the way that that just that kind of captures everything about the human spirit um but i'm you know there's so many places that you can find hope you can like look at you know your friends or your family and you could find elements of hope somewhere everyone's fighting for hope and so it's going to spring out in your life somewhere you're gonna like look you're gonna read a book and someone's going to have written a book about somebody struggling through hope. You know, you're going to you're going to go to work and you're going to like hear a story from a coworker about them right. struggling through something and they have they have hope. They know that they can they can overcome it or they have overcome it. I don't know. It's just if you can shut yourself out to those things like if you're not looking for it, you can get wrapped up in the hopelessness that, you know, can consume your mind and just uh strangle you. Mm-hmm. But if if you if you um if you say to yourself like I'm going to look for hope today right you you can't not find it it's well, it's out there and if if you see it you know it exists and you know that I mean maybe you don't know but <laughs> sometimes you don't know but uh if it exists you know it can be within you you can find it again and that's not like an overnight mission or anything. That's no. a that's a really hard mission. But and I, it's yeah. Sorry. you know you 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 find it yourself. You you have to. And if it's not there, you find it yourself, just like you said. Yeah. And I agree with everything you're saying. I I just also want to validate the people that do feel hopeless because I think it's so easy to talk yes. about the idea that you can just wake up and find hope every day. But if you're like in it, yes, I just want to validate you that you may it's gonna it's gonna be tough, you know, and you're gonna feel down, and it's you know, and what this past Sunday yesterday, you know, I posted this thing on you know some days, all you can do is just breathe, and that's okay, you know, and so yeah. I just wanted to put it out like I I just want to validate those people that still feel hopeless and that. Yes. You know, we're not trying to make you feel even more hopeless by saying that, you know, we got out of it and you're still in it. You know, I just, I don't know. I just felt like I had to say that. Right. Yeah. And it's not like me and John are just in this, this place of like Euphoria. completely. Oh my God. Exactly. Gosh. Like, I, oh wow. Our life is so beautiful and we are not, you know, like we're just so full of hope. We're like a, a beautiful Spielberg film, no. you know, it's like. That's not the case at all. It's a constant well, decision. And, w- and, and this podcast is one of those things that we created for ourselves. So I think when we do it, you know, a, the little part of us that was hopeless found a little bit of hope because, you know, we created this for ourselves, you know. Yes. It was. Yes. That's that's a, a beautiful point. Like, So if anything is showing you that you can example. create. Yeah, exactly. It's it's this and you can create. Yeah. Hey, if you want to create your own podcast, do it. You want to create 
I don't know, snow angels? Hey, you do you. Snow angels? Where are you at right now? Is it cold there? Uh, yes, we're getting snow tonight. Oh, there you go. Uh, I was like, snow angels is the last thing that I would ever think of as an example. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do think that that's very, that validation is very important. I, I hope that there's nothing uh, segregating or off-putting about right. the idea of of anything that we've said, like we've both been, we've both been low, and we understand the feeling. Oh my Absolutely, God. in every in every way. We should probably wrap up. I think this is honestly going to be our longest one, and we thought it was going to be our shortest. <laughs> we really did, gang. We totally thought. Yeah, that gang. Was... <laughs> we thought this. Would we be always shortest. intend to make it shorter than the last one, guys. We don't do it on purpose. We do. We do. But you know, we just—it's yeah. very. We went into this thinking we're just going to do an organic conversation between us, see where it goes, and then end it when we think the conversation is supposed to end. And, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. And we appreciate you listening right. this far once again. We should always try to say that at the beginning, <laughs> but we always forget. <laughs> if you're at the end, though, welcome. You made it. You, you did it. Go. I don't have $200 to give to you, but no. welcome. Here we are. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for everyone listening totally. to this podcast. And thanks for I, s- I love every time that somebody says anything about enjoying the episode or just having a question about it or the emails. The emails are so uplifting. Yes. Um, Please send I more. Just, I mean, we got three this week. Yes. It would be great if we could always up it. And I know that's going to be hard, yeah. especially when, you know, once it gets a little higher. Like, um, <laughs> But, I mean, for these first few, like, I always want to try to work towards something. So, Oh, for sure. Let's try to get more than three. So don't think that someone else is going to do it. You should do it. <laughs> you should. Yeah. Um, Plus, why wouldn't you want to like get your comment right? or your question talked about on the show? Right. Um, but our email, I'll just say it real quick. If you want to email us a question, it's H-E-L-L-O-A-N-D-A-D-I-E-U at gmail.com um and you can obviously you follow us on twitter it's, we're trying <laughs> yeah it's not neither of us are very it's... twitter people so it's hard for us to like really put a lot of effort into it but we're, we're gonna try right. we're, we're helping the process we're helping it we're we're pushing it should be the the hope people is that it will be it'll be sort of bonus content as as just the as this show is totally. you know just just more yeah outside of outside of this little talkie talk and walkie walk exactly what am i saying i think it's time to go yeah and also <laughs> um you know rate and uh, comment on itunes because that's how you know word of the podcast gets out it gets out through the ratings and through comments yeah. so share it uh comment give us a rating um honestly if you want to give us a bad rating please do but please tell us why <laughs> if you're um yes. we we love yes to we that. would love criticism and if you're gonna say it's too long we know um, <laughs> 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 um but yeah thanks for uh tuning in guys it was uh i honestly this is probably my favorite it might be my favorite too um, we've, we've yeah this was good this was a lot of fun i feel great i feel good too um well yeah i guess i bid you adieu yeah let's do this again next week yeah you want to yeah i think we should make it a thing Oh, okay i guess we could do that (laughs) 
All right. Uh, I bid you adieu as well, John. All right, Mathis. TTYL, bro. <laughs> Ta-ta for now. Uh-huh. All right. Bye. Bye.